Well, happy Father's Day again. We are excited. I'm excited. Uh, I, for those of you who uh, don't know me, my name is Pastor Max. Uh, one of the pastors here at Kakaku Christian Fellowship. And a little bit about me. I'm married to uh, Vanessa. And <laughs> she's not here. She's coming second service. But uh, then we have three children. I recently have a teenager in the house. She just turned 13. Last week we celebrated. That was cool. We had the ginormous cake up here. And, um, you know, she's getting to be a big girl. This girl is getting tall. And I was looking through these pictures of her, this, of our family this morning. And <laughs> she was like so tiny. And they made me this cute little father's day thing and she's like one it was like my first father's day present i guess i don't know and it was like oh wow look how big you can still see her face even though you know she's like under a year old still got that same face so funny the same little spark in the eyes and that's miley then i have sky she's uh, 11 almost 11 they're all two years apart about and then uh you know um have a showing Vanessa, a picture of uh, Sky's face, and she has the cutest pouty face ever, just the cutest, and her freckles and everything, her big blue eyes, and she was just the cutest baby. And then Cruz, and whoo, man, this guy, he's keeping us busy. With, thanks a lot for you guys teaching him how to do airsoft at eight years old. <laughs> you know, he's out there, yesterday I come home with goggles on, he's like, I'm like, you can't be running around our neighborhood with a gun, bro. Like, not, no joking around. That's not good. It's got an orange thing on the tip, Dad. <laughs> so pray for us. But, you know, I love being a dad. I love it. You know, I think Pastor Mark and I are similar in this. I think Pastor Sonny as well. But I've heard Pastor Mark say his dream was growing up to have a great family. And so I think a lot of us would share that. I came from a family that uh, wasn't so normal. It wasn't so typical. It wasn't even healthy. (laughs) In fact, it was a mess. (laughs) And I always dreamt, oh, Lord, when I grow up, I just, I'm not sure what I want to do. I just want to have a good family. I knew that. That was before I knew the Lord. And my greatest blessings and dreams have been fulfilled. It's like, Wow, we really are so blessed to know the Lord and to have a family, to have a family that's healthy and happy. And so anyway, just a little bit about my family and just my joy about being a dad. You know, a few years ago, we got to go to Paris. This was, I think, after the first or second Alpha. It was like we left that night, the last Alpha, and we flew on a plane uh, and we went out to visit, visit uh, Vanessa's mom and sister, they, uh, well, the sister was living in, is still living in France. Vanessa's from there. She grew up in Paris until she was 14. And maybe we can show a few pictures. You know, when we were there, we got to go to the Eiffel Tower, and there's us throwing up shakas at the Louvre. And, you know, we're just, Cruz at the Mona Lisa can see on this one. You know, he is a huge crowd. And, you know, you think the Mona Lisa's big, yeah? You think, oh, it must be, like, huge it's like this too big. I'm like, is this a mini version? What's up with that? Like, put out the real one. It's like this big. And it's in like bulletproof glass because people have like thrown acid on it, trying to ruin it and all that. So it's like encased in this thick glass. 
and you have a million visitors. I think that day, like half of China was there. It's like a Chinese <laughs> tour group. And I'm like, I, I gotta see, like, I gotta get close. I gotta show my kids the real thing, like the closest version. But we just couldn't push in there. It was like, whoa. It was like, oh no, 20 feet of crowd. So I say, Cruz, your job. Here's the camera. Crawl through. Get to the front of the Chinese people. I want to see you take a picture of this. And that's his picture. Is that cool? He was right there. Man, we were proud of him, you know? He took like from like different angles and it was cool. And he was so proud of it. It was really fun. Then we got to visit some of the southern France deal. And that is one of my favorite pictures. I should have put that on the canvas or something. I always say that, but I never do. Okay? I don't even have any of those canvas things. I love those kinds of things. Anyway, that's really cool. Uh, then we got to go to like a winery, that kind of, you know, and they showed us how to make wines and do all that, and ooh, white and rosé and red and all that. It was like so much fun. I think the kids were bored, but <laughs> they got to see how much work it is to like do that. The family was showing us around. It was like, you know, their dream is to live on the farm. After that, they're like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> So, you know, when we were in Paris, though, we had such a blast. And we were so blessed to be there. We are going to the fancy parts of the city. We went to, like, some of the ghetto parts. It was like, oh, this is kind of scary, walking around. We were uh, staying in um, uh, with some of Vanessa's friends. Anyway, one day as we're leaving the house, Sky, she loves to read. So we got bookmarks from the Louvre Museum. And one of her bookmarks, it was totally sky. It had like City of Paris on it, and then it had a big heart. Okay, it's like, oh, and she loves to read, so she was keeping it in her book. Anyway, one day, as we're walking, like leaving the apartment, crossing the street, all of a sudden she says, Dad, I lost my bookmark. And, you know, like, I know how much it means to her. I'm like, oh, what? And so we're looking around, everyone stop, look. Oh, sky, it's like, gone looking oh there's where did you know did you drop oh you see her the tears welling up in her eyes you know like oh that's okay dad you know so oh sky that's okay you know we can get another one but i know it's not gonna be the same and so we leave for the day i forgot what we did that day a whole day in paris tourist stuff right we come back to the apartment and i'm telling vanessa's friend i'm saying oh yeah you know um, this, this morning, Sky lost her bookmark. You know, she loves to read, and she was a, kind of a big deal for her. It's kind of a real bummer. And, you know, it was like, oh, it, I just can't believe it. I was kind of feeling all, all bummed just thinking about it, talking about it with her. And all of a sudden, I'm crossing a street in Paris, coming back to the apartment. I don't know where she dropped it. I see it laying in the side of the road in like a little pool of water, on the side of the curb, as I'm telling her about the bookmark, it was like, there it is! And the girl's like, what? I said, there it is! And I ran, and I picked it up. I'm like, it's here, Sky, look, your bookmark! And it was so cool that it was like, as soon as, I mean, what are the chances? We could have crossed the street anywhere coming back to the apartment, but we crossed it right there. Was it God? Yes, I think it was. There's no coincidence. Coincidences in the kingdom of God, I don't think. 
So that's pretty awesome. And, you know, I tell that story because I get to talk today about one of my very favorite things about God. And as we're wrapping up this series on evangelism, I want to talk to you about the heart of God for those who are lost. His heart for those who are not walking with him, who have not come home. That's today's title of the message, Coming Home. You know, yesterday we had the hokulea. Did anybody get to go see the hokulea come home? All right, that's awesome, yeah? So we're watching on TV, telling my family about, telling the kids about the hokulea coming home. And my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were on a boat yesterday out there, and they're telling us about it. And it's really meaningful. And you just feel like, wow, there's something so special about a homecoming. And God, that's his heart. For those of you, for those people who are lost, who aren't following Jesus, they're lost. They don't know their way home. And so God, his heart is broken for those who are lost. And when they do come home, it's like finding that bookmark. You're like, whoa, I can't believe it. It's a miracle. We got to celebrate. Sky still has that bookmark to this day. Isn't that awesome? So I'm excited and I hope you're excited too. And I hope that our church would be excited about evangelism. You know, my responsibilities here at this church as an associate pastor are a lot to do with evangelism. It's a lot of the outreach portion of our church. And so we're looking to try to do things like Alpha to introduce people to Jesus. We're looking at trying to uh, help people to go into the community and serve their community and pray for the community, which we started to do at Kakako Christian Fellowship, which we've been doing for a long time at McKinley High School. And then Prayer Evangelism, our series that we've been going through for the past four weeks, is, I, I say this, and it's, we're not quite there yet, but it's the most important way that we're going to do evangelism in our church. Why is that? And we do missions, right, to places like Alaska, all or different parts of the world. But prayer evangelism is most important. Why? It's because wherever you at, wherever you're at, God has placed you in your work, in your job, in your neighborhood. That's where you spend the most of your life. Amen. That's where you're going to have the most impact on the people around you. Sure, you can go and do an event with the church or do an alpha, which is awesome, or go on a mission trip. But God has placed you in the exact spot he wants you. And he wants to use you. And so prayer evangelism, the principles we learn from Luke chapter 10 are here to equip us. It's not the end all be all in evangelism, but it's like tools in a tool belt. And so we learned a few things. Number one, we learned to pray for the lost, right? We learned to, you pray about the things you care about and you want to go ahead and ask God, Lord, develop a heart in me that cares about the lost that prays for people who are lost, those in my office, those in my neighborhood, those in my family who don't yet know Jesus. Then we learn to fellowship with them. And Pastor Neil, he did a great job. And you know, he, wasn't his sermon awesome? Man, we were blown away. We were, he was rocking it. He had his four, three friends, and you just like, your heart is breaking. He's just, but it's so much joy. You get to see how he's, develop those relationships at Roberts, Hawaii, and they're lifelong friends, and even with one of them passing away. But to see what the Lord has done to use Neil 
to fellowship, spend life with, and love on his friends, and then introduce Jesus to them. Last week, Pastor RK, wasn't that awesome? Was that a trip or what? That was like heavy duty, powerful. My shoulder was healed, okay? I was like, wow, this is amazing. The next day, I was like, oh, sore. I told Pastor Sonny, I think it's sore still. But then I thought about it after, and even now, I think it was just in my head like, oh, I, it's, I'm, I'm just used to it hurting. So I just automatically think I'm, it's hard to believe you've been healed, yeah? But it's healed. And some of you guys got prayer. Raise your hand if you got prayer last time. Did you, wasn't it cool? I know Pastor Cal was like, yeah, you know, I heard Pastor Arke's message was awesome. And it was. He was rocking the house talking to us about how to pray simple, I forget, direct, to the point, good prayers. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Those, well, can somebody name them? Okay, but basically, simple and to the point. <laughs> simple, sweet, short, to the point. In command form. There we go. You guys are listening. Yes. In command form. And I've been practicing it all week. Have you? Be healed in Jesus' name. It shows. The sweet. It's very sweet and short. But... Yeah, you know, Vanessa was uh, not feeling well yesterday, and I was just praying, be healed in Jesus' name. Did it work? No, I still have a headache. Oh, you got to pray. we got to pray some more. How many times do you go? I just say three, and then trust the Lord. Okay. Is that what he said? Three? No. Okay. Making up my own. And then finally, proclaim the kingdom of God has come. What does that mean? That means as you have spent life with, prayed for people, as you have gone ahead and lived life with those people. Get to know them, love on them, and meet needs spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever kind of needs they have in the name of Jesus. Then there comes a point where you can help introduce them to Jesus. In fact, the kingdom of God has already come. You just proclaim it. The kingdom is here. This is how you were healed, like Pastor R.K. said last week. You want to know who healed you? His name is Jesus. You, you want to get to know him? Let's go ahead and help you get to know him. So it's been amazing just learning in this journey in prayer evangelism. I hope you've been blessed. You know, God, he's doing a good work in our church. He's doing a really good work. But prayer evangelism, we have to continue to talk about it. But it's not, like I said, if you follow these steps, it's not the end-all, be-all in evangelism. If you do it perfectly, see, that's why I don't have to know the steps perfectly, okay? Just kidding. But, you know, it's like, it's not a perfect, if you do this method, then it's going to happen kind of a thing, okay? There, there are principles that we can learn from and take and use, and it's in the Bible, and God is using it. And I hope that you would, at work, apply these things and that we learned from Luke chapter 10 that Jesus talks about how he sends out his followers to do evangelism, right? But evangelism only becomes a reality in your life or a way of life when you know the heart of your heavenly Father. Where you see God's heart, and it's only going to be his love that is going to change you, that is going to infect your heart 
And you're going to have the same heart of God for those who are lost. So our church, it will never grow. There will never be people who will come in to come to know Jesus Christ. If we say, oh, yeah, we're practicing prayer values. We're like so proficient at it. We're so good at doing this and that. No. You know, we're so organized at this. We have such an organization. No. It's not going to happen if we have tons of money, resources. We have the biggest stage, lights, and everything, coolest stuff. No. It's only going to happen when each of us here is so impacted by what our Heavenly Father has done for us through Jesus and His heart for us, those who are lost. And it comes, it gets to be real right here. And all we do is we have the same heart as our Heavenly Father. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We see Jesus talking to a crowd of people. You know, there's a teaching moment for Jesus here. There's different people around. Jesus is teaching to the Pharisees, those who were the religious elite of Jesus' day in Judaism. He's teaching on how God views those who are lost. How God views sinners. How does he view them? Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the context here is Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors, Oh, they were like traitors to their own people. Nobody liked tax collectors. Prostitutes, misfits. This is like those who were the scum of society. Nobody wanted to be with. Nobody wanted to talk to. And these were Jesus' people. Isn't that cool? Jesus was eating with them. Jesus was drinking with them. Jesus showed them unconditional love. And those people loved Jesus too. They're always like, Jesus! I can just see them now, you know, walking down the street. I know him! That's Jesus! And Jesus is like, hey, what's up? Jesus! And they're all stink and smelly, you know, just, oh, yeah, Jesus is my homie. He's like, oh, you're going to believe what he talked to me about the other day. He loves me. This guy really loves me. He wants, he says God has a plan for my life. He's like believing the best. He's like, I can change or something. You know, Jesus loves these people. He loves them so much, he's going to tell them truth about their lives. He's going to not just, he's going to love them where they're at, but he wants so much more for them. And when people encountered Jesus, they knew that he'd love them unconditionally, but he knew that there was grace for what they've done and a better way to live. Jesus is always showing people a better way. So he doesn't want anybody stuck in their sins. So that's one group Jesus was talking to here in chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. But then the other group is that religious elite, that pharisaical group. And this, this group did not like Jesus' message. They couldn't understand. They couldn't get past how Jesus was hanging out with these scummy people, these misfits. right? So if you're a rabbi, they would say, if you are a holy man of God a prophet even, then why would you hang out with these guys, these sinners? 
to eat with people in that society at that time was a sign of acceptance. So just to hang out and eat with them, he's like, they're like, well, look at Jesus. He ex- accepts what they're doing, their sinful attitudes, lifestyles. So no good Jewish person, no less mention a rabbi or a prophet or a holy man of God would do this. And so you can see Jesus, just picture the scene in your mind's eye right now, Jesus speaking to the crowd of misfits, and they're close to Jesus because they want to hang out with Jesus. That's his crew. And they're all, you know, just eating and sharing a meal together. That's the inside circle. The outer circle is the Pharisees. So they're close enough to be able to listen and hear what Jesus is saying, right? So they're there, maybe they're standing with one foot up against the wall, and they're just hanging out. They're muttering to themselves all the bad things about Jesus and how he's so unholy and everything. And Jesus knows exactly what they're saying. Jesus knows. He can hear the muttering. He can sense what they're saying. And Jesus teaches these three parables to make a point. What is his point? Our Heavenly Father's heart is for those who are lost. Our Heavenly Father's heart is for those who are lost. And God cares for his lost children. And when they are found, we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate. So the first parable, verse 3, is about the lost sheep. You might know this. Read it again. It's just so much fun just to... Hear the heart of the Heavenly Father as I read these. Catch his heart. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The lost coin from chapter 15, verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 11, Jesus continued with the parable of the lost son. I like to call it the parable of the heavenly father. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He's starving. When he came to his senses, he said, What am I doing? How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up 
and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw, around, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine is, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, Hey, what's going on? Your brother's come, he replied. And your father has killed a fat calf because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, Dad, all these years I've been slaving for you, and you never disobeyed your orders, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home? You killed a fattened calf for him. My son, the father answered, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's my favorite story from the Bible. I love the story, this parable of the prodigal son or the loving father. So I picture Jesus telling the story to his crew and their eyes are just like, whoa, this is good news. And then you have the other guys and the Pharisees in the outer circle saying, oh, this is so wrong. This is so bad. Jesus has just rocked their boat theologically speaking. They're like, what? He is breaking apart of their understanding of what God is like, who their heavenly father is, what his character, what his nature is. Jesus is showing them the heart of the father. What kind of heart does he have for his children? Think about each of the storylines in the three parables, right? So some one or something was what? Lost. Something was lost in each of the three parables. And they searched everywhere they could. Where is it? Where's that sheep? Where's that ring? Oh, where's the sun? And when they find it, they celebrate. They have a big party. So Jesus tells the story three times. Yeah, it's a pretty much the same story, three different ways. When Jesus tells the story over and over again. What is he trying to do? He's trying to make sure we what? We get it. <laughs> because it's so important. You try to tell a story three times to some people. <laughs> you try to make a point, you tell them three different ways. It means you really want them to understand it because it's so important. Can you catch our Heavenly Father's heart by what Jesus is saying? Do you catch his heart for his lost children? You know, God today, on this Father's Day, He wants to give us here, whoever we are, wherever we came from, whatever we've done, 
however long we've been in church, following Jesus, not following. He wants to give us, his children, a glimpse of his heart. He wants us to draw near, and he wants us to sink in deep inside. There's three things we can learn from Luke chapter 15. We're going to go over these quickly. Number one, God cares that people are lost. God cares, you can fill in your bulletins, that people are lost. You know, our lives are like, if you imagine eternity going out from one side of the horizon to the other with a you know, like fishing line, and then you just make a little scratch with a pen, a very sharp pen. That little scratch is our lives. In the timeline of eternity, we live out our whole lives on this little scratch. I mean, not even a scratch. And that's it. So whatever we have, our lives are like a blink of an eye. Here today, gone tomorrow, like a vapor. You know, thousands of people, millions of people are out there who don't know Jesus. They are, what the Bible says, are spiritually lost in their sin. They live on earth and then they die without knowing Jesus. Without knowing the good news of Jesus. And when that time comes, it's too late. There are so many people in our own lives, in our workplaces, in our families even, in our neighborhoods, who don't know Jesus, who don't have that same kind of hope, who don't have that same kind of peace that comes from knowing Jesus. Supernatural power over sin. There's so many people in our own lives who don't know that. And so that's where we come in. God puts us, places us in their lives so that we can share this hope of Jesus. We can share the heart of our Heavenly Father. But it isn't easy to care for people. So many times we can be just like those Pharisees, right? We can be like, well, if someone is having a hard time in their life, that's really sad, but it's not my problem. I know I've thought that before. Or you know what? They're stuck in their sins. It's probably because of the what they made the choices they've made. And maybe it is. But there's a lack of compassion. There's a disconnect from caring, truly caring about people who are lost. I'm guilty of that all the time. You know, I just don't stop, think, because I'm on autopilot in my day to really love on people and care for them like our Heavenly Father cares for them. But that's our whole purpose on earth, isn't it? To love God, to love others, to care about God, to care about others. Do you care that other people in your life are lost? Do you care? You know, that's what coming to church is so good. It's so good. The Holy Spirit comes and he doesn't condemn us. Oh, look at you. See, Pastor Mac, you're supposed to be a pastor. You don't even care. No, the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us. He does some heart surgery on us and he says, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this hard heart and I'm going to make it soft. Care about other people's spiritual condition. That's number one. Number two, God chases after those who are lost. He chases after those who are lost. So, We see the three parables. They have an element of seeking after those things that are lost. You know, does not the shepherd leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one lost sheep? Does not the woman light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? 
And while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, that care for him. And he ran to his son. But what if the parables went like this? The shepherds figured, oh well, it's just one sheep. <laughs> I have 99 left. Woohoo! Just one. Or oh, the woman said, it's just a coin. I'm sure I'll find it somewhere in the couch cushions later. Or here comes that son of mine who messed up his life. I bet he's going to try to give me a sob story now and try to get his way back into my house. You know, Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and chase after us. Amen? But what if he didn't? Where would you be? He seeks after us. You know, the Holy Spirit is also known as like, I've heard him like known as the hound of heaven. It's like he's sniffing after us. This, he's on our trail and wherever we go, we can't mess up. He, like We try to sin and we just feel worse. He's on us. It's like he, wherever we go. That was my experience with one of my buddies. He, Chris Barron, he wouldn't leave me alone. He'd show up at 11 o'clock at night knocking on my door. Wherever I go, Chris Barron shows up, follows me all around Hawaii. It's like, oh, this guy's so irritating. Yes, I'll accept Jesus. If you just leave me alone. It's like, I, I love that about him. I have a lot of spiritual DNA because of Chris Barron. And I'm very irritating to people in Alpha and trying to get people to Alpha. And you know what? That's like one of my best God qualities. You know, I, I need it more even. And God wants you to have that quality too. Are you the type that's not going to take no for an answer? Or they, you feel too shamed. Mm, I don't know what they're going to think of me. They might think I'm a weird old Christian. You ask them something, go lunch, do something. No, okay, sorry, sorry to ask. No, I'm not going to take no for an answer. We are doing this. It is so good. It's good news. God loves you so much. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to chase. I'm going to seek after you. Amen. That's number two. Number three, God celebrates when people are found. You know, Third parable introduces a new character into this story, doesn't it? The older brother. The older brother with the bad attitude. And you know, when he does this, Jesus is zeroing in to the outer rim. The people on the wall, the Pharisees who are listening, the people with the hard hearts. And he's addressing the condition of their hearts. And so he tells them, you know, of the older brother, who wasn't able to grasp this idea of what grace is all about. Because grace is not fair. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you don't deserve and more. You get to be blessed. And so this dad is giving his irresponsible, wretched son the ability to come back home. But not only that, he's having this extravagant party for him. And this story cannot make sense to these Pharisees. They are going, what is this all about? This could never happen. And so the party, if you think back to the story, the parable, the party's going on outside, 
And the older brother comes back for a hard day's work, and he hears the music bumping in the place. It's just loud. You know, it's like a big rave in there. I don't know, just like a big party. Everybody is like outside, you know, they got like the red cups, that kind of party. <laughs> the Dixie cups, what is it called? And they're just like, yeah, oh, it's a party. Your brother's home, dude, your brother is home. What? I want to talk to my dad. Dad! And he's tripping, and the dad comes out there, and he's trying to console him, and he's, Verse 28, he says this. So the father went out and pleaded with him, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. Son, your brother was lost. Now he's found. And the Pharisees are just like that older brother in the story, aren't they? They couldn't grasp how God would welcome a sinner home, a low life into his family. In their minds, he didn't deserve God's favor. On the contrary, he deserved to be left out. He deserved to work his way back into the good graces of his father's home. And that's how the Pharisees looked at those sinners. You know what? They don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve God's grace. And the sad truth is, so many times, I'm the same way. You know what? I just don't think that if they could just only get their lives together, I don't even know if I care enough that they're spiritually lost. I'm just like that Pharisee, and I think if we're honest, a lot of times, we are too. But the Holy Spirit comes to us today in our church, and he, he says, you know what? I want to give you a new heart. I'm going to end by showing this picture of a church in England. This is the church that does Alpha, where Alpha, the Alpha course, has come from. They do a sculpture of uh, called the Prodigal Son. His name is Charlie Maxey. And this is right at the entrance of the church. And when I went to the Alpha conference and I walked into the church, this Sculpture just captivated me. And I, I look at it and I kind of reflect on it a little bit. You see the relief of the Father, don't you? And if, for those of you parents who have had maybe a son or a daughter, kind of go leave home, be astray, maybe not even following the Lord, you know how hard your heart breaks. And you see that embrace, no matter who they are, what they've done, you're just happy that they're home. That's the same way our Heavenly Father wants to hold us, to hold you and tell you, welcome home. My daughter, you're home. My son, you're home. Why don't we go ahead and stand up now as we close in prayer. You know, on this Father's Day, we celebrate dads and we honor dads. And we have a special opportunity. I really like these kinds of things where we can say, yeah, but we also want to honor our Heavenly Father. First and foremost, we want to honor Him.
He loves us so much. His heart is full of this overwhelming, amazing grace for us. Maybe some of you have come in here and you have that deep inside your heart that you might think, I'm one of those people that our Heavenly Father just would never forgive. If I'm like really honest with myself, I think that I've done something, I've said something, I've thought something where it's just so wretched, so wrong, that so unclean that our Heavenly Father just wouldn't welcome me back home for. Today he wants to say, no, whatever you've done, whoever you are, wherever you're from, the heart of the Heavenly Father is that he cares for you. He loves you so much that he gave up his one and only son, Jesus. That's how much he loves you. Would you receive that love this morning? Would you fall into the arms of your Heavenly Father? Would you say, God, I see how much you love me. I want that same love for others. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you are a good, good Father. Lord, maybe we've had earthly fathers and we've had a hard time seeing love or learning love from them or learning grace. But Lord, we know that you're a perfect father and you give us good gifts because you love us. And most of all, that gift is knowing you, the gift of salvation, having our sins clean wiped away as far as the east is from the west, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So Lord, if there's anybody here today that has not yet said yes to Jesus and said, I want to come home, I feel like I don't know it all. In fact, I feel like I'm just still stuck in a lot of sin. Whatever that is, I pray that you would come home to the Heavenly Father right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for welcoming, welcoming me home today. On this Father's Day, I return to you. Just pray it in your heart. Father, I want to be in your house. I don't want to be a hired servant. I want to, don't want to be an outsider. But Lord, you welcome me. You have a big party for me because you love me. And I'm here at this church where there is love, where we can go ahead and grow in our faith. Welcome home. And there's other, others of us here today that maybe our hearts are hard Maybe we're tired. Maybe we just don't feel like we just don't have it in us to care about those people who are lost, who are wayward sons and daughters. I pray right now, you Holy Spirit would come and fill us as a church, that you would give us your heart. It wouldn't be done out of any technique. It wouldn't be done out of anything that we can do in our human abilities. But Lord, it would be supernatural. So come Holy Spirit. Come and fill us with the heart of our heavenly father a heart of love the heart of grace in jesus name amen